0: Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by Hi5Content. It is nighttime at the Grand Palace in St. Petersburg, and the elite of the Russian nobility have gathered here to see and be seen. Soft music plays as the aristocracy and the political leadership sip champagne, eat caviar, dance and talk quietly, each dressed in their finest silks and brocades all eager for opportunities to use various machinations to improve their social and political standing. Perhaps they will even get a glimpse of the emperor himself. It is not long before he enters, and when he does, his presence is unmistakable. He is extremely tall, physically strong, and wildly energetic, bellowing and laughing as he dances into the room triumphantly. He is followed by a group of trained Siberian brown bears carrying silver trays of vodka shots, a parade of drunken revelers, and a full choir of singers bellowing out obscene parody versions of famous Russian Christmas carols. The assembled nobles react with a mix of shock, excitement, and concern, unsure how to deal with any of this. This is Peter Romanov, Tsar of all the Russias, the most influential man in Eastern Europe. He has forged an empire in battle, built navies where none existed before, took on the dominant powers in the region, wrested valuable lands from their possession, and built ports and cities to cement his claims on those new conquests. He's a bold leader, a man who has worked hard to modernize this country and claim a space for it on the international stage. But tonight, Peter the Great is going to party and he's going to do it better than anyone else in Europe. Hello and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson and I am here as always with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat, we just had Thanksgiving and we've got a lot of holidays coming up. Uh, do Do you have any big plans?
1: Uh, well finishing the semester, which means that in addition to celebrating Christmas with my family, I also get to celebrate, oh, hey, I have a whole pack of exams to grade.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you get homework for the for the vacation.
1: yeah, yeah, that's the the paradox of being a teacher, like you assign your students homework, but then that's work for you, and it's just this vicious cycle. and hmm, seems like there's a way out of this, but yeah,
0: <laughs> just don't give any homework.
1: Yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, the holidays, uh, you know, they mean different things to different people, and there are different holidays. Uh, Before the show, Pat and I were discussing whether or not people still celebrate Festivus.
1: Oh, yeah, from the Seinfeld. Show. I yeah, think yeah.
0: the 90s are back but I don't know if Festivus is back yet or if it ever left I don't know I
1: don't know yeah what's the the theme of Festivus the airing of grievances the
0: airing of grievances yes that is yeah
1: yeah we we still celebrate Festivus yeah
0: that is yeah, a thing did. that comes up we no did. matter what uh no matter what yeah 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 <laughs> what holiday you are celebrating <laughs> family drama is a theme.
1: Yes. Grievances are aired and sometimes more than aired.
0: Yes. That is uh, actually going to be a theme for today as we talk about Peter the Great. He is a very large man who loved large parties and had a large family and had a lot of drama with that family.
1: Yeah. And when you say a large man, you mean not just a large personality, but also he was He was a big guy.
0: Yeah, he was like 6'8". Physically. Big dude, really big guy. (laughs) At a time when most people like... At a time when 6'8 was less common than it is now. At a time when most people were like 5'6", right? (laughs) So,
1: yeah. So this is Peter the Great. And we're pitching him as the center of this whole family feud, family drama, yada, yada, yada. Big old Russian soap opera. But also, you know, since we do claim to be somewhat history themed... I would just like to add as a footnote that Peter the Great did also help to usher in a new period of prosperity for the Russian Empire. Yes. Incidentally, along the way.
0: Yes, that is true. Although the partying and the family drama are uh, are sometimes a little bit more exciting to talk about when we get into Peter the That's Great. That's
1: where the anecdotes are. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. And we're here
1: for the anecdotes. Sometimes yeah. the
0: soap opera stuff is even more interesting than the historical significance of a particular person or family.
1: Yeah. So yeah, Peter the Great. Can you imagine holiday dinner at the house of Peter the Great? I guess you have to specify which house, like the one in Moscow or the one out in the country, or you know, whatever. So
0: Petersburg. And... He had a lot of he had a lot of palaces and yeah, estates yeah. and things. Yeah,
1: the yeah. The houses he
0: was crashing at when he was on his tours and things.
1: I mean, he was actually like kind of allergic to Moscow for some of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yeah, so, you know, Aunt Sophia, she's going to have to zoom in because she's incarcerated in a monastery and not allowed to leave. Mom's quote unquote secretary can't come because, oops, he's been decapitated. You know, this is this is drama. And uh, <laughs> I have to say, um, our episode is about Peter the Great. But as I learned about Peter the Great, I found myself clicking on the names of the people around him. And each of those people has their own story. And I kind of wanted to tell all of their stories. So what I had to do was just forcibly remove myself from the internet and say, okay, this is it. We're just going to plow ahead with this. And I want our listeners to know these are all very interesting people. But this episode is about Peter the Great.
0: Yes, yes. And if you read some of the larger biographies of him, like The Life of Peter the Great, um, they get into some of these other characters that are around him. You know, his sister, his family, a lot of his friends mm-hmm. that we're going to meet along the way. We don't have time to get into all of them, but they're all characters. Like he surrounded himself yeah. with interesting and unique and and weird people. Uh, and they yeah. all have these crazy yeah. stories. But, but he is he is such an interesting character that interesting characters kind of gravitate towards him. And then you end up with... So all of the people around him are interesting, but I think that's a factor of him being interesting and seeking out interesting people and not wanting Mm -hmm. the same boring stuff that everybody had been doing. He wanted the new stuff and the cool stuff. And, you know, is this guy interesting? Is this guy cool? Um, And, uh, yeah. Uh, So we'll get into him. And really, like... You know, we're talking family drama and nothing says family drama like the Romanovs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about Pyotr Alexievich Romanov, Tsar Peter the Great, father of his country and emperor of all the Russias. Russias, plural? Yes, there are multiple Russias, depending on who you uh, ask. Of course. I mean, according to Peter the Great and a few russian leaders who have come since him belarus and ukraine are also considered russias uh but the people that live in those places might not always agree um but we're gonna get into that this is all gonna tie back together in the peter the great story so stick
2: with us and we'll be right back yes this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global
5: June 30th, 2024.
0: Peter the Great was born Pyotr Alexievich Romanov on June 9th, 1672 in the current calendar. There's a bunch of weird calendar stuff that I'm not going to get into, but dates no, are always... We don't,
1: yeah, we don't need that for this episode. Yeah, um,
0: it'll come up later that he's going to change the calendar and the calendars, calendars of when you're talking about Russia at this time period, everything's weird. So... Let's go with June 9th, 1672. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had auburn hair and dark eyes. They describe his eyes as being black. They say that maybe it was some kind of uh, descendancy of the Tatars or the Mongols. Um, he okay. is... F-
1: A very striking appearance.
0: Yes. Uh, he's from the House of Romanov, who has ruled Russia as czars since the days of Ivan the Terrible in the 16th century. And the House of Romanov will will run Russia from basically Ivan the Terrible up until the Russian Revolution in the 20th century. So they rule Russia for hundreds of years. And um, Peter the Great is one of the, the main people in that line, it, historically, it, when you're talking about historical significance. Peter's father was the Tsar Alexis I, and Peter was the 14th child of Tsar Alexis I, although he was the only one from Alexis's second wife his alexis's first wife had 13 kids and the second one had had one i guess um okay
1: yeah um i just want to give a shout out to the first wife for (laughs) having 13 kids that's kind of badass in of itself
0: seems intense yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of what you did if you were an elite russian woman Mm
0: -hmm. in those days yeah. I was waiting in line. I was doing my day before Thanksgiving grocery shopping and there was a woman in front of me in line who was trying to wrestle two children and do the groceries oh. at the same time and they were pretty little kids and it looked like it looked like a war. Yeah. It looked like a war zone. She's
1: outnumbered. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What happens yeah. if they run the opposite directions? You just yeah. pick your favorite. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or just reach into the nearest grocery bag and pull out the bag of goldfish crackers. Yes.
0: Yes. That is key. I have that. This is my dad pro tip is I have these little little packages of emergency goldfish that I keep in the center console of my car that I could just kind of throw in his direction if he gets mad at me.
1: <laughs> I should try that with my ninth graders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it would yeah. work. I think it works probably. I mean, I think it would work yeah. with like 30 year olds, honestly.
1: But we're not here to talk about goldfish crackers. We're here to talk about... Romanovs. Yes, the Romanovs. Peter. Yes, so and Alexis I had two wives. Two wives. I mean, not at the same time, but
0: No. Uh he got he divorced the first wife, and then the second wife he had Peter was the eldest son. Now mm-hmm. in 1676, Peter's only four years old when his dad dies. Uh, the Tsar Alexis goes outside in the Russian winter without his coat on, catches a cold, and dies a few days later. And um Okay. Wear your winter coat. Yes.
1: Okay. If it's cold out, bundle up.
0: Yeah. You'll catch your death. That's, what, that's the expression.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't be like Tsar Alexis I.
0: Yes. And so when he dies, the he's got the two wives. So he's married to the second wife, but the first wife has 13 kids. And um, mm-hmm. the families of the two wives... Kind of have a little bit of a feud. Uh but what ends up happening is is very simple. The eldest son of the czar, um, this boy named Fyodor. He's 15 years old. He's not in great health. He's he was sick as a child. Uh, he never really got over it. Um, but he is the eldest son of the czar. He is dynastically the person who was supposed to ascend to the throne. He was mm-hmm. confirmed by his father. There's a little bit of arguing, but Generally it is accepted, okay, Fyodor, he's going to become the uh the Tsar of Russia and he is crowned Tsar Theodore III. Um at his at his inauguration ceremony he was so ill that he couldn't walk down the aisle by himself. He had to kind of be carried down the aisle by some by some helpers.
1: Okay. But if you're Tsar or, you know, czar about to be crowned, hey, you've got staff.
0: You've got staff. Yeah, you can afford to have people yeah. carry you around yeah. all day.
1: But I also understand that in you know elite moscow in the 17th century the optics of this might not go over so well like oh this is our czar which is totally ableist but
0: yeah so fyodor becomes the these the czar and hey look at that everything's cool dynastic transition in europe without a war wow what a what a rarity success hey everybody's happy Whoa. everybody agrees who the fuck yeah yeah, and that works out great for a very short period of time until uh, I got
1: the sense you were setting us up for something.
0: Yeah, yeah, Fyodor dies. Yeah. And um, oh,
1: well, everyone dies eventually, but Fyodor
0: dies pretty quickly after becoming Tsar. Okay. And uh, okay. and and now succession is supposed to go to his uh his brother Ivan, who is even in worse state than Fyodor who's uh you know, physically is is not in great shape but is kind of mentally not all there either. Uh, there's mm, definitely yeah. like, we don't know for sure, but certainly some sort of like mental illness or, or developmental issues happening with him. Um, People
1: didn't have confidence in him.
0: Right. For the, whatever the reason. The ways in which he is described by historians writing at the time uh, was extremely unflattering of his physical and mental capabilities. <laughs> uh-huh. But he's the czar now. He's going to be the
1: czar. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even calibrating for biases in sources yada 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 okay this is ivan he got the job or he's in line to get the job because of who his daddy was
0: right he's the second son of the czar and keep in mind here that peter is the uh well let's let's look down the line here he's the 14th kid of the czar so yeah that's pretty far down the line
1: Yeah. And I don't think it makes them 14th in line because we're not giving women the czarship,
0: right? Oh, no, no. The no girls allowed rule is firmly in place in Russia in the 17th century. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, we have the benefit of hindsight. We know that Peter did become not only czar, but czar Peter the First, the great. Of all the so how? Yeah. So how do we get from, uh, you know, the first two eldest sons of wife number one of the former czar to this random kid his second wife popped out. I mentioned the... Well, you, Ben, mentioned the no-girls-allowed rule. Right. It's brought a, it it's up a, you gave it's it that
0: name. It's a tradition in Europe around this time. <laughs>
1: yeah. So between Alexis the first's two wives, who have got 14 kids, statistically speaking, some of them are going to be girls. And what is it like to be a Muscovite elite woman, a member of the royal family in Russia? Well, actually, you had to stay indoors a lot. You were
0: because it was cold.
1: Not only not well, okay, that was probably part you of. You go outside without I mean, your jacket on and okay, you just die. No, don't go in. outside without your jacket. No, 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 no. <laughs> but even if you put on your nice warm winter jacket, uh, if you were a woman, you were not supposed to be active in public socially. Uh, you were not supposed to be active in public politics. You were not really supposed to be at a lot of ceremonies that we would have thought would have been co-ed, you know? So Peter, okay, this is all going to come back to Peter, of course, but he has to get through his older half-sister, Sophia. I kind of wonder if... Things have been just a little different. Maybe we'd be doing this episode about Sophia the Great. Mm. And Peter, her half-brother, would be a, a sidebar. But we're in this timeline. So we've got Sophia. She was a daughter of Alexei I, and she was a daughter of the first wife, Maria Miloslavskaya.
0: So a sister to Ivan and Fyodor.
1: Yes. And full sister. And this is really relevant because uh, Maria, the first wife's family, like her extended clan, was not just... Things weren't just awkward. They were feuding with the clan of uh, Natalia, uh, Natalia Narishkina, the second wife. So it's the Miloslavskis versus the Narishkins. And Alexis I, the late Alexis I, is at the center of this. And... Peter is the only uh scion of the uh the Narishkins. So
0: he's heavily outnumbered. He's heavily outnumbered. But the Narishkins uh so his his mom is the wife is still the wife of the of the now deceased emperor and his yeah. uncles are pretty powerful figures. Oh so yeah. So this was a marriage oh, yeah. of like power between um Peter's mom and Tsar Alexis and the well, there's a lot of them and they are supposed to inherit, but he divorced her and they've been, you know, they're, they're, there's some, some stuff going on here. Uh, and so there, this is not as one sided of a battle as you'd expect based on 13 versus
1: one. Yeah, because that's only the snapshot of that particular generation, um, that particular clade or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, the Miloslavskys and we've got the Narishkins. And if it helps, M comes before N in the alphabet. Oh. So Maria Miloslavskaya, she's the first wife, and Natalia Narishkina is the second wife. That's how I figured it out. Anyway, um, I'll be here all week. I've got more like
0: this. <laughs> no, I love mnemonics like that. I, I do that all okay. the time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I just it just amused me that their names alliterated. Anyway, so we've got. Sophia, who is one of the siblings from uh, the first wife, she is actually generally agreed to be competent, smart, savvy, but she's a girl or a woman. She, as a an elite Muscovite woman, she was subject to this practice called uh, terem by historians. The contemporary term was pokoi, and if you were an elite. Roman woman in Moscow, you were not supposed to be seen in public. You were supposed to be very private. It was all about preserving your chastity and your image and your eligibility and your respectability for the marriage market, which was a really big deal. Commoners were not subject to this. It was just a noblewoman thing. So Sophia is older than Fyodor. She's older than Ivan, and she's much older than Peter. I seriously get really serious big sister vibes from her. Yes. Um, because not just is she a representative of her clan, uh, the Miloslavskis, but also she's looking out for her little brother. And I know that I can romanticize things when I get into that kind of mode. You know, like, oh, she's looking out for her little brother. She's looking out for her kid brother, Ivan. Um, but, you know, we're, we're telling this story. So, what does big sister Sophia do? She's lived a lot of her life subject to the seclusion, but she seems to have a pretty rich life behind doors. She was tutored by this guy named Simeon Polotsky, whom I mentioned because he gets mentioned. Um, Of all of her sisters, she's the only one to work with this particular tutor. And he seems to have a very good reputation. He gets really good student recommendations. Um, (laughs) She is clearly mentally very sharp and knows all sorts of things and knows how to think about things. Theodore, when he was czar, you know, Ben, you said that he had this reputation of being very weak, sickly, frail, whatever, maybe mentally not quite as competent as some other people. But after Feodor became Tsar, Sophia had been helping to guide him behind the scenes. And also, it seems like he was working with this Simeon Polotsky tutor guy. And you know, he did seem to, I don't know, whether it was Sophia or Simeon or whoever, he did seem to, I don't know, um, grow. Yeah. In his ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, he,
0: he improved during his... He had a pretty short reign, but he, he got better. And and I think you're right that Sophia probably had a lot to do with that as well as Simeon Polatsky.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, just a big shout out to the people behind the scenes who, you know, I don't know, push you to achieve. <laughs> um, now, Fyodor, he was sickly. He didn't have any kids. And then, as you said, Ben, then you have to go back through the family tree and say, okay, how are our rules of succession working? Um, Theodore had a sister and she was older than him. Why didn't the throne go to her? Well, no girls allowed. And no girls allowed as the actual czar, but also no girls allowed at public things like funerals. Oh, so wow. she actually caused a scene simply by showing up at her brother Theodore's funeral. Wow! Apparently this was a guy's only thing. And uh, I... I haven't looked into this, but I assume that elite Muscovite women had their own rituals of mourning and grief, Um, but uh, that was that. So her little brother Ivan was in line to be Tsar as the next son of Alexis. Sophia was worried that Ivan, who was also not in the greatest of health, would get passed over, shunted aside, for some other son of Alexis. maybe particularly worried. Or I don't know. I don't know if she was worried about Peter specifically at this point, because Peter was just nine at this point. But by all accounts, uh, Peter was hale and hearty. And
0: yeah. And as we know, Peter is going to become a big giant dude he's gonna be six eight like a big strong guy he's he's got a powerful family backing him they're probably doing some behind the scenes machinations trying to oh, I the nobles and the boyars and uh trying to build alliances the odds are not that they're gonna pass over ivan for the next best son in the Miloslavsky line but that they are going to pass him over for Peter, the big, strong kid from the Norishkin line.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, if Peter became Tsar, that means that his mom, Natalia, would get all that behind-the-scenes power. Does that sit well with Sophia? You know, she's she's thinking ahead. So the way you get named Tsar is the patriarchs of the church and the boyars, which is the collection of noblemen, name you Tsar, and they named Peter Tsar. But it doesn't stop there. Sophia has been working her connections. She's been forming alliances behind the scenes. She has this really, really good working relationship with this nobleman, basically a prince, Vasily Golitsyn, um, who we'll hear about later. Sophia makes the case that her brother Ivan is the legitimate heir. And she makes the case for huh, appointing Ivan and herself. As co
0: Oh, has that happened before?
1: Yeah, uh, co- czar with a H- a, man a, a woman? A, I don't think has a woman
0: been a czar before.
1: Um, so technically, there was a few generations before. I forget the exact year. There was a female czar, Irina, but she was uh, she was the wife of the reigning czar. The czar died. Actually, I think it was another czar named Theodore, one of the earlier Theodores, czar Theodores. Um And he died and she, as his widow, was czar kind of for like nine days or something. Know, it's
0: like a regent for the kid or something.
1: I think so. Yeah. 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 Didn't last long.
0: So this is revolutionary then, which she's what she's suggesting is revolutionary.
1: Yeah. Just suggesting it is very, you know, very...
0: Oof. Yeah, Balzy,
1: yeah. Involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the court, the Duma, rejects this. And Sophia, she's been working her connections. So she has an alliance with the Streltsy, which is the kind of the elite army guard, very roughly... Kind of filling the same niche in the ecosystem as the Praetorian Guard of Imperial Rome. Yeah, kind of.
0: they are the guard They are the military regiments stationed in Moscow, like elite troops. But um, but yeah, kind of home guard. Uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. The, they're the army, right? They're the military. They're the yeah, guys yeah. in the streets with the guns, and th- those are good friends to have if you're trying to uh, have a succession war.
1: Yes. Uh, ooh, did we say succession war? Because didn't we just avoid that earlier <laughs> with Alexis uh, passing on the throne to theater? Hey, things were great
0: when they yeah. stayed in the uh, in the line of the first wave.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Sophia calls on the Streltsy, and they, for various reasons, were already kind of disgruntled, and uh, this leads to the Streltsy uprising or the Moscow uprising of 1682. Uh, some of Peter's own people, friends, family members. Um, some uncles were killed right in front of his own eyes, murdered from from his perspective, and he's like what nine or ten at this point.
0: Yeah, he's ten. And the Streltsy they storm the Kremlin, and Peter yeah. is being in, installed as czar, and all of his family, all of those powerful uncles, and his mom, and everybody are in the building, and the Streltsy storm it. And they go door to door looking for Norishkins and executing them and killing them on the spot in like right there. And they're they're in the Kremlin for two days, kind of finding all of Peter's uncles and killing them and and dragging others off to be uh, imprisoned or whatever. Um, Yeah, this is Peter's not going to forget this. This is a pretty traumatic moment for him. (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah, can you imagine, I don't know, hiding in a closet or whatever for two days while thump, thump, thump all around you Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? Wow. So he's scarred. I mean, anyone would be. What's the result? What's the upshoot of this, uh, this uprising? Well, in 1682, the patriarch, and this is the Orthodox patriarch, so we've got, you know, the religious side involved, patriarch Joachim installs Ivan as Ivan V and Peter as Peter I as Kozars. Sophia, because Ivan and Peter are both young, Sophia is named Regent. And she's the regent of Ivan and Peter. It's not what she asked for, but
0: it's pretty she good. figures out
1: how to work it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: She gets to rule for Ivan who isn't really capable of ruling and Peter who is almost certainly there in name name only. He's nine years old. He can't make any decisions. And um, for sure, this is her opportunity to make sure that he is never in a position where he can make any decisions. She's running the show. He's a fourth grader. Yeah.
1: He's a fourth grader, basically. Now, my apologies to all fourth graders. I know that you are, you know, intelligent human beings who can make your own decisions, but uh, running an empire is above your pay scale. So Sophia... How does she manage as regent? How does she take advantage of this? How does she exercise her will in the world? Um, how does she make you know, Team Miloslavsky secure in their position? She made Vasily Golitsyn, whom I mentioned earlier as her principal minister of state, which I think was probably a good move because he was a dude and he was free to act in the world publicly. Honestly, as a side note, he seemed pretty cool in a practical badass kind of way, not in a party animal kind of way, not in an over the top kind of way, but just one of those kind of people who is really competent at policy and thinks about things back under Fyodor. Golitsyn was frustrated with this whole seniority based Promotion in the army that was more tied to the rank in society you were born with than anything else, and he actually got Tsar Feodor to replace it with a more merit-based system of promotion.
0: This is this is very funny, Pat, because this is an interesting like peter the greats the big drinking party animal that's the one i like and you're like oh galitzin got things done like he was very practical and got things made things happen i think of how your favorite emperor is vespasian and mine is probably like caligula (laughs) hey Hey. that's why we work well together (laughs) yeah yeah Okay, so what does Galitzin and Sophia do? And Galitzin is basically a mouthpiece for Sophia, as far as I understand it. He kind of is doing doing her work because she can't issue the orders herself, or or at least like yeah, people yeah, are yeah. more likely to chafe if they're being ordered by her to do the thing. But Galitzin yeah. can kind of yeah. get the stuff done on her, in her stead.
1: Yeah. So that's what's happening as far as like actually running the place. As far as the, I don't know, public facing face of the monarchy of the czarhood, we've got Ivan and Peter, and there are two of them. They actually sit on a double throne. It's a, you know, a throne that's twice as wide and it's got a little seat for one of them and a seat for the other one. And they're
0: both like little kids. I bet that's really cute.
1: (laughs) I can imagine them like, you know, kicking their legs off Mm -hmm. the side, like Lily Tomlin in that big chair. Yeah. 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 Czar of all Russia. Czars of all Russia. Um, I'm sure they had access to as many goldfish crackers as they
0: wanted. <laughs> He's a little cranky. Just like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. talk to Golitsyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, give him some gogurt. And And um, Sophia knew that she was not really supposed to appear in public. So she had a hole cut in the back of the throne so she could sit in and listen in on all of the meetings and conversations and audiences and give the young czars advice. I'm thinking kind of like uh, Remy the rat in Ratatouille, <laughs> except she's not pulling their hair, maybe?
0: She probably was doing some of that. <laughs>
1: oh, I hope so. I hope so. I mean... That would be a very big sister thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ruled like this for seven years and she was in effect the autocrat of Russia.
0: Wow. So yeah, Tsar yeah, Sophia. She won't be yeah. the last Tsar, a uh, female Tsar of Russia, because we're gonna get we're gonna get some female Tsars of Russia after her. So she's kind of a groundbreaking precedent for this. Yeah. we'll get into the other ones because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna come up in this story. But yeah, really interesting, Sophia. And so she is running the show in Russia for these seven years. You've got Peter and Ivan as Kozars, but they're not they're not in the picture. Right. Peter saw what happened Mm -hmm. when he tried to or his family tried to assert dominance. And that was like a lot of people got beheaded um, in front of him. So he he doesn't want to be any part of this. And so for the from the ages of of 10 to 17, he hates Moscow. He doesn't want to be there. He hates the Streltsy. I don't blame him. No, he's got his little double throne, but he hates sitting there. He hates taking orders from Sophia and he hates getting
1: his hair pulled. Yes,
0: exactly. So he goes out to the countryside uh, with his family, his surviving family. Um, He he just kind of chills out in the countryside. He. Starts to find hobbies. Uh, among his hobbies are sailing. He loves sailboats. He likes uh, hunting. He likes horseback riding. He likes, as he starts getting older, he likes partying. He likes going around yeah. in the foreign quarter of Moscow when he's in town because there's more uh, Westerners out there, more people from from Western Europe. He can kind of party with these people who aren't quite so, uh, probably aren't quite so Allied with Sophia, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so they go out and uh, they shoot fireworks. He gets in trouble for shooting fireworks and setting some stuff on fire. He accidentally kills a boyar with a bottle rocket at one point. Um, as a kid, yeah, he likes he likes archery, fencing, musketry. He likes shooting guns. He likes fighting. He likes wrestling. Uh, he likes sailboats, building his own he sailboats, and taking. Yes, extremely active. So Peter, for most of his life, he only sleeps four hours a night and he's the entire what? rest of the time he's partying uh he's just okay. a loving life as we said uh he okay. runs around yeah. and he anything that is potentially like dangerous or could cause grievous bodily injury to himself or someone else peter and his buddies mm-hmm. love doing it and as he starts getting older they love doing it while drinking so okay right yeah that's yeah that's peter yeah uh
1: so if skydiving had been invented he'd be doing it
0: he would be Doing it with a bottle of vodka in hand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's,
1: and maybe like a, a paintball gun or something. Yeah.
0: So that's what he's off doing. He's off partying and and building his own boats and shooting off bottle rockets and setting things on fire and getting in trouble for fighting, um, shooting guns, trying to make them himself, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, and Sophia, meanwhile, is, is running the show.
1: She's running the show pretty well from behind the scenes, or at least she's able to exercise her will pretty well from behind the scenes. And sometimes it goes well for her; sometimes, eh, not so much. She joins a when okay, Sophia. When I say Sophia, I mean Sophia, i.e., the Russian Empire joins a European war against the Tatars, who were allied with the Ottomans, in Crimea. And from Russia's point of view, it was not completely successful, but... That war did play an important role in holding back Ottoman expansion in Europe. Uh, Sophia gets a nice little gift out of this. Uh, Poland gives her a chunk of Ukraine, including the city of Kiev.
0: Yes, what we know as uh, what we know today is Ukraine. Uh, Sophia and Peter would have referred to as uh, Little Russia. So that's that. Little region. Russia. Yeah, and mm, so Kiev yeah. goes over to Russia here, and it will more or less stay there until the fall of the Soviet Union. Um yeah. but uh that's a that's a different story. But she uh so she is getting into these European wars though, which is something that Russia has traditionally not done. Russia has kind of hmm. uh, for the last several hundred years, has they were under the Mongol rule for a long time, and then it was the Golden Horde and then and now Russia is working on integrating themselves into Europe and the West and them siding with uh, making deals with France and and Poland and England uh, to join them militarily. That's a big step for Russia to modernize their, their country and to bring them more into the forefront as a world power, which is what they're trying to accomplish. But it's difficult because they are a very rural society at this point uh, with a lot of people, but not a lot of central governing strength. And so they need a a strong hand to try to guide them more into the the modern era, into the West. And uh, that is what Sophia begins to do. So Sophia does a pretty good job. But in 1689, the Boyars, they're against her, right? The Streltsy is for her and the Streltsy has the guns, but the Boyars are powerful noblemen and they have power and um when peter turns 17 the boyars attempt again to get him installed as the sole czar and there's they like him yeah and so yeah ivan is not doing great and um some of this war like you said we got you got some some land out of it it began to integrate russia into the west but but russia has lost Troops and the Boyars are able to kind of spin this and get Peter installed as Solzar in sixteen eighty
1: nine. What happens to Sophia?
0: Sophia goes to a convent and is forced to become a nun.
1: Okay, I was gonna say, does she go willingly? It's like oh yeah, I'm done. It's time for me to retire.
0: No, I don't think no. we've seen the last of her. Yeah, she does not seem no. like the kind of yeah. person that would just be like, "Okay, cool, I'm a nun now. Great, that sounds awesome." Ivan gets to stay. He did nothing bad happens to Ivan. He lives. Um, but now Peter is the sole ruler of a hundred million people in one of wow. the uh, largest area-wise and a very rapidly modernizing Russia. Uh, so we are going to take a really quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about the rule of Czar Peter I.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect.
0: Okay, welcome back. Uh, So now Peter is Peter I of Russia, and he is the sole ruler of Russia. And what is he going to do? Well, the first thing he wants to do is continue those modernization efforts that Sophia had began, and to some degree his father uh, had done as well during his reign. He will abolish arranged marriages... Although I guess not for his family, who he arranges marriages off to various European royalty to kind of widen the gene pool of Europe a little bit of the European royalty. Yeah, families. different
1: rules for royalty. Yeah, yeah. And I also suspect that if you snap your fingers and say, Behold, I am Tsar, I am banning arranged marriages. I suspect that there are still marriages that are at least somewhat arranged.
0: Yeah, yeah. But on the books, you're not supposed yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 On the books, you're not supposed to. And yes. Yeah. So it's not like a total sea change overnight.
0: Right. But he is attempting to put that rule on the books. Um, He changes the calendar. So he changed it from the old Russian calendar to the Julian calendar. So there was like a whole it was the year was 7200. And he's like, no, actually, it's 1700. And he tried to make it the Gregorian calendar, but the church blocked him on it.
1: That was just too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we got three calendars operating here in in Russia and who knows what's happening. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he's trying. Yeah. He's doing his best.
1: Scheduling is a bear even with one calendar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So was it just the calendar or were there other reforms?
0: So he uh, encourages people to start studying abroad. Uh, The nobles Mm -hmm. and the boyars to send their families to get Western educations uh, to try to learn more about the modernization stuff that's happening in the West. Um, So all that
1: partying in the foreign quarter of Moscow opened his mind.
0: Right. And he starts to dress Western, too, like, you know, Mm -hmm. in
1: like a cowboy hat.
0: (laughs) No, no. Think like. So we are in 1700, right, is roughly the year. So if you want to think about it this way, the old style of the old Russian traditional way i picture almost like a russian orthodox priest like big beard Mm, with the big heavy cloaks and coats and yeah um, kind
1: of ponderous
0: yes yes and Mm
1: -hmm. and very elaborately brocaded and whatever i'm sure it's absolutely beautiful to look at
0: yeah yeah yeah, but it's a it's a style that's kind of adapted from the old ways Picked up some stuff from the Mongols, picked up some stuff from the steppe nomads, uh, and very traditional Constantinople dress. Yeah. Um, so,
1: might get you through the Russian winters.
0: Yes, if you remember to wear them. Yeah. Uh, and Peter the Great is, he is alive at the same time as Louis Fourteenth, the Sun King in France. Mm. So, that's mm-hmm. the style he's looking at instead right mm-hmm. the breeches the tights the the yeah. clean shaven there's a great story oh, about yeah. that yeah so oh so peter one day he's pretty early on into being a czar. And we're going to get to Peter. Uh, he is a big personality, big, giant dude, uh, really loud voice that projects really well. Just this magnetic, charismatic person who just could not be ignored.
1: Yeah. So when he enters the room, you notice. Exactly. Maybe because like one of his staff members, his herald says, oh, this is Czar Peter. Or if he's like in disguise or incognito, you still notice him anyway, because you can't, Disguise six foot eight, Peter the Great.
0: Yes, yeah. He will try to disguise himself a few times, and I only imagine it being hilarious. But on this one particular day, he is having this huge party in, um, in one of his palaces. And picture. All of the boyars, and the boyars are the ones who have supported him. So they've, they've come, all of the nobles and the aristocrats, and uh, they are all assembled in the palace to have a party with Peter the Great. There's drinks. Peter was famous for having... Trained bears that would serve vodka shots to his guests and then growl at people who didn't take one. Um, oh, so, spiritual
1: ancestors of Wojtek the Bear?
0: Exactly. This is the mm. situation we're having some some Russian classical music playing. Uh, there is uh, a very fancy party. People are talking, they're drinking, they're having a good time. And Peter makes his grand entrance. Tsar Peter the Great, six foot eight, 18 years old, he enters. And he has shaved his beard into kind of a pencil-y mustache. Ooh. Record scratch, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's looking more like, I don't know, the Three Musketeers than like a Russian patriarch slash czar.
0: Right. And huh. everybody stops and they're like, what is this? And Peter says in his big giant voice, this is what we are going to look like now. We're going to dress like this and we are going to shave our beards. And then an assistant comes up to him with a silver tray. And on that silver tray is uh, a brush, a bunch of shaving cream and a couple of razors. And Peter, the czar of Russia, begins personally shaving the beards off of all of the boyars in attendance uh, to get them to look more Western, generally against their will. But they can't really argue with him because he's the czar and he can do whatever he wants. That's how he introduced we're getting rid of beards.
1: By getting rid of beards.
0: By just literally physically getting rid of beards. You said it's hard to enforce the arranged marriage thing. He is going to enforce the aristocrats have no beards thing by making it happen himself through brute force. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: well, I well, I would hope uh, maybe not brute force, but maybe um, fine force. Sure. I would hope he has a certain amount of manual dexterity. Right. If I were a Boyar and this big guy were coming at me with a sharp instrument...
0: Yeah, big I'd giant hope. drunk Peter the Great with a yeah. straight razor. Like, yeah. can you yeah. tilt your head up so I can get your neck? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Eventually, he realized he couldn't shave the faces of every single person in Russia, so he that would
1: take a lot of doing. Yes, yeah. so he. I mean, wait, wait, did you did you say the population was a uh, like hundred million, million at yeah. this point? Okay, so but fifty yeah, million
0: yeah, of yeah. them are women who generally don't have beards, although sometimes. And so yeah, you know, yeah. we'll but
1: see. but even so, even so, even accounting. For you know demographic variation, Some children, That's right? You would shave them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway, he he puts in a beard tax, so now you have to pay a tax. A beard tax. If you have a beard.
1: Okay, at least it's just it's just a tax, right? You don't get your head chopped
0: off, right? No, anything. no, you just have to pay okay. a little bit extra money to have a beard. Okay. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And that encourages people to shave. Also, like okay. people are creatures; people have always been creatures of of fashion. And if the fashion is now, if all if all of the fancy people are wearing mustaches, then that's going to be what some of the more commoners do to, to emulate that. So, that's uh, that's what happens. Um,
1: yeah, like what's on the cover of GQ Moscow these days? Exactly. Or
0: whatever. Yeah, we're into tights and breeches and buckles on your shoes and uh, big giant hats and mustaches. Beards are out. Okay. And so the first thing he wants to do is build boats. Peter loves boats. He loved building boats. He likes sailing. And he thinks the kind of boats are a thing that Russia is lacking.
1: Why might Russia be lacking boats?
0: Well, for starters, they only have one port that is capable of having the kind of ships that you'd you'd need to have a good navy or, or sea trade. And that port is Archangel. And Archangel is... Is is frozen like three quarters of the year, so okay, yeah, frozen yeah, over. Yeah. It's way up north, and um, you, you, it's not accessible for the majority of the year. So
1: yeah, Russia is a huge place, and it has a lot of coastline, but apparently not all of the coastline is usable. Yeah,
0: a lot of it is frozen most of the year, so you can't you can't sail in and out of it, especially with those old wooden boats that'll just get destroyed. Um, they don't have icebreakers and stuff like that.
1: Oh, maybe they should hire the uh, resolute.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so okay, so Peter loved boats. He loves but- boats, uh, and so he is. Like obsessed with it. He gets up at 5 a.m. every morning. He goes down to whatever docks. and A lot lot of times it's lakes and stuff, but he goes down to the docks and he works on boats. He talks to the shipbuilders. Um, He's out on the, like literally the czar of Russia out there with a two by four and a hammer building boats.
1: Okay. So he's not just like some rich honcho who happens to own a yacht that he goes out and parties on. He's actually out there... Building the ships.
0: Yeah, he's fascinated by the design. He's fascinated by uh, all of these aspects of it. He loves he loves the building of them and the the structure yeah, of them. And design. he wants
1: to know how they work. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, okay, great, but we don't have anywhere to, to put these boats. So we need some warm water ports. And 1700, the best way to gain something like that is you're going to have to take it from somebody else who's got one. Yoink. Yep. And... Luckily, for Peter, at least, he is inheriting this war with the Ottoman Empire that uh, began with Sophia, that Sophia had joined. Uh, it hadn't they'd been kind of in a little bit of a lull. The Ottomans had won a battle and it had kind of stagnated the war. Uh, but he picks it up and he says, "You know what the Ottoman Empire has that we love is Crimea." The Azov Sea, the Black Sea. Oh. So he attacks. uh, He builds up his army and he sends them into the Ottoman Empire, into Crimea, to capture lands on the Black Sea. Crimea, Azov, the Sea of Azov. um, And he has some success. And he sets up uh, actually the first warm water port in the history of Russia, which is the port of Sevastopol in Crimea. Uh Uh-huh. And we will have, Sevastopol will have a lot of, Sevastopol is interesting because it will be, it comes up a lot when we're talking about the Ukraine war and the providence of Crimea. But Sevastopol is kind of the Alamo of Russia because they have huge defenses there against the French in, uh, during the Crimean war and against later against the Germans in World War II. And so Sevastopol is a, has a lot of historical significance for Russia and the Russian people. And, um, And they first acquire it by Peter the Great defeating the Ottoman Empire in in this war here. From there, he can access the Mediterranean, which is where all of those prosperous North African and European countries are. And now we can start doing trade year round. We can start working on a navy. We can uh, improve our economy. We can, I mean, we've talked before about how hard it was to travel between countries back then. Suddenly, travel to France is not a thing that takes you months because you can get on a boat and it'll just take you only weeks to get from Russia to France. That's a big difference. It makes it much more accessible for people to study there or for you to, you know, marry your cousin off to some French baron or whatever. Uh, And it begins having, you start to have a little bit more of a cultural exchange with, with Europe, which is great for Russia. They, they, they they're looking to modernize and Peter's looking to modernize and this is helpful. Well, Peter himself decides, you know what? I should get out there and see all this stuff.
1: That sounds very much in character for him.
0: Yes. He doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't want to read about it. He doesn't want to sit on his little cute double throne with his feet dangling, hearing stories about all this cool stuff. He wants to go do it. Yeah, like This is the guy
1: who's out there nailing two by fours with other shipbuilders. Yes.
0: He wants to be part of this. He wants to be in the middle of it. So in 1697, he undertakes the Grand Embassy, which is what he calls it. He, um, the Grand Embassy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He takes a bunch of his closest friends. Uh, and this, like, the Grand Embassy sounds very formal and it sounds very staid. Mm-hmm. And we are on the Grand Embassy of Europe. We are going to gather aid for our war against the Ottoman Empire and build relations with our neighbors in the West. In reality, Peter's like, 20 something. And this is like closer to I just graduated college and me and my buddies are going to go backpack around Europe. That's the vibe of this Grand Embassy, because he is Peter the Great of Russia. He's he's in disguise, which we've talked about as being hilarious. His name is Peter Mikhailov. Uh and um he's okay.
1: I mean sh- c- could not he just be Peter Alexeyev? I mean Peter son of Alexei, because I'm sure there were a lot of Peter son of alexei's but <laughs> I guess okay, he's in disguise, he has a fake He's name. just okay. a
0: goofball, right? Yeah. He's just dressing up in a in a in incognito, but he's still traveling he's still six eight, he's still traveling in a golden cart carriage. Uh he's still accompanied by an entourage of court jesters and dancing bears, uh all of his like friends, they're all drinking and partying all over Europe um and that's going to attract attention that's going to attract some attention yeah Yeah. and uh, you know the the russian delegation meet a lot of european nobles and they make an impression we'll say they are i don't know they go to they go to prussia they go to holland austria poland england um in Mm. prussia they
1: make it as far as england yes
0: they make it all they make it all the way to england and they stay there for a while in Prussia, the, the the Baron de Blomberg, he refers to them as baptized bears and says he's never seen anyone drink so hard in his entire life.
1: Does he mean this as an insult or grudging respect or who
4: knows?
0: Difficult to say. He's Prussian. He's kind of a, you know, serious guy. He was a little annoyed because they trashed his house while they were staying there. Okay. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Yeah, yeah. These guys are like wandering rock stars, like going around, partying, meeting people, but just really, here's an example. When they're in England, a couple things. First thing in England is they drink so much at this one bar in London that the bar renames itself the Czar of Muscovy. And the bar, oh. the bar no longer uh, exists, but there is a Muscovy Street in London, and that is there was a is, street that, in London. Yeah, there's a Muscovy Street in London, and it still stands today, and it's named after that oh, bar wow. that Peter the Great drank at.
1: Okay, so you can't actually go to the pub where Peter the Great drank room temperature beer, but <laughs> I'm sure there's some pub on the street somewhere, Muscovy Street, where you can you know, approximate the experience. Maybe with less property damage. I'm assuming there was property damage. I oh, know.
0: there was property damage. Uh, there
1: was property damage. Yes. Yeah. I, I. Okay.
0: Um, so here's the property damage we're gonna talk about. Uh this is the the Lord John Neville. So when you are the czar of all the Russia's and you're traveling around with your buddies, you don't just stay Russia's plural. Yes. Yes. You don't just stay yeah. at a hotel. You don't just stay at an inn above a tavern or anything along those lines, you are... Airbnb. Right. You don't Airbnb it. You are put up in the home of a wealthy lord or lady, and they um, set out a summer home of theirs for you to stay at for free. And you, you know, it's a great honor for you to be there. Uh, Oh, you could say, oh, the czar was here and he stayed here. and was entertained by my servants and blah, blah, blah. Very fancy stuff. So the the grand embassy stays at the home of lord john evelyn of england they stay there for about a week
1: what happens during that week Ben?
0: difficult to know but i would like you to picture this as i would like you to picture peter and his entourage as like the sex pistols or the rolling stones or something because that's what these guys are like they're partying and they're trash in hotel rooms and here is the report of Uh, Lord John Evelyn on the condition of his home after he returned to it following the visit of the Grand Embassy. And this quote comes from Stephen Graham's The Life of Peter I of Russia, which is a massive series of books that are very, very good and they get into a lot of detail on Peter the Great and I highly recommend them. But I'm going to read from it. Some notion of the boisterous hijinks that took place may be obtained from considering the damage done. They broke 300 panes of glass. They had bust or prized open the brass locks of 12 doors. They had blown up the kitchen floor. They cut up the dressers and several doors. They covered the parlor floor with grease and ink, broke walnut tables and stands. They seem to have had wild games in the beds, tearing up the feather beds, ripping the sheets, tearing canopies to pieces, and ruining precious silk counterpanes.
1: Oh my.
0: <laughs> And, and uh, you know, knowing what we know about Peter, I, I don't think he was like in a drunken rage and blowing this stuff up out of anger. I guarantee you he was laughing and with a big group of people laughing while all of this was happening.
1: Yeah. And um, he was in the moment. He was vibing. He was he was raving,
0: raving, raging yeah. house party. Ra- Peter the Great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, a, yeah.
0: he's a person you would or maybe wouldn't want to invite to your birthday party. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know. It depends. Yeah. Um, he. This is coming from a place of joy. Yes. Um, uh, do Do we know how Lord John Evelyn of England survived? Like, I, I, presumably, he took it in stride somehow.
0: <laughs> he was upset. Uh, my understanding is oh, that yeah, Peter no, 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 paid for it. Too. Peter was was extremely rich, and a lot of this was paid by either him or like by the Crown of England to compensate him for his losses. But um, he wasn't happy. I don't think he was very happy about it. I don't think he was like. I think they trashed, he rented his Airbnb out to them and they annihilated it. And I don't think he was very happy about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Zero out of five stars for these guests. But um, eventually he goes back to Russia, I assume.
0: Uh, Yes. So the party has to end because in 1698, there is a revolt back in Moscow. Remember those streltsy? And Sister Sophia? Uh, Yeah, the are rebelling again. And Sophia's possibly involved, right?
1: This is Sophia who had been tucked away in a monastery somewhere. Yes. Okay, but she's
0: still around. She's still around, and the Streltsy are in contact with her, and they are planning to overthrow Peter the Great and install her as the Tsar again. Or install her actually as the Tsar.
1: Not a regent or anything, or... yeah person talking through a little hole in the back of the throne, but like actual Tsar Sophia.
0: Yes. So when the Streltsy rebelled last time and murdered several of his uncles, I think they killed three three or four of his uncles. Um, they, they beat up his mom. Um, they intimidated him. They grabbed him and imprisoned him. And he was 10 years old and he watched all of this happen uh, over two days of rioting. Now he's 26. He's the Tsar of all the Russias, And he's not going to let this happen again. He is leveled up, and uh, now he's got an opportunity to take his revenge. So he crushes the rebellion. He demands an investigation into how it got started. He finds that a thousand Streltsy are responsible for contributing to this conspiracy. He has them all executed mostly by being buried alive. He digs a big hole in the middle of Moscow and he throws them in it and he buries them.
1: Oh, that's awful.
0: He disbands Streltsy regiments. He exiles people. He exiles their families. He splits the Streltsy up, destroys them as an entity, uh, replaces them with something else. Well, Sister Sophia, she stays in the convent. Like he, he moves her to a I was different say, convent. Like she
1: doesn't get buried alive. She
0: doesn't get buried alive. She doesn't. Okay. She doesn't die. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting. We don't really know exactly how he felt about her for real, but it's interesting that she lives. Uh, we, she's out of the story from that point forward. Peter also uses this opportunity. He was. Talking about arranged marriages, he was in an arranged marriage uh, from when he was very young, uh, 14, 15. He gets married to this woman that uh, he, he never really got along with. They did have one son together. Uh, but so he divorces her when he gets back to Moscow and sends her to a different convent as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how he, he, he uses the Streltsy Rebellion as kind of an excuse for that. So Peter's back. And he he really just is done with Moscow. He's so mad about it. He's so mad about all of this. He decides he's
1: decides he got bad associations with it. A lot it. of
0: bad associations with Moscow. The Muscovites don't seem to like him that much, and he doesn't like them either. So what do you do when you're Peter the Great and you don't like your capital city? Well, you build a new one. So that's what he did. Okay, yeah. He decides he's going to build a new capital city. Uh, and where he wants to build it is up on the Baltic Sea uh up, up northwest of moscow problem here is that uh the baltic sea is being held by sweden currently and so if he wants to build his new capital there he's got to take that from them and he's
1: got to deal with the swedes
0: right and so that that's what he does sweden is in a period of of power for for their country uh their king charles XI has just died and has been succeeded by charles the 12th Charles the Twelfth is only eighteen years old, and
1: yeah, still it's more than nine or ten, right. which is what
0: Peter was when
1: he became Tsar. But he's only eighteen, so he's okay. Only 18. You
0: know. Sweden doesn't have a ton of people compared to some of the other countries of Europe, and they are holding some pretty valuable territory. So Russia, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, Denmark, and Norway all joined together to attack Sweden right after charles takes over like we'll get them while they're down let's take the land that we want back from them that they took from us so that begins what's known as the great northern war peter sees an opportunity to grab some land on the baltic get another warm water port or warmish water port um and so he attacks he invades how'd that go not well. Turns out oh, Charles XII for, is... Not well for... For for Peter. It turns out that Emperor Charles the XII is actually awesome. He apparently was like an emotionless automaton who could not feel pain and was completely brave, and he was a military genius.
1: Sounds useful in certain contexts. Yes. Yeah.
0: He crushes Denmark and Norway. They both surrender. He conquers Warsaw and Krakow from the Poles. And then at the Battle of Narva, Peter the Great attacks him with 37,000 guys... Charles has 8,500 Swedes defending and the Swedes win, like with a crushing victory. Peter gets crushed.
1: Against over four to one odds.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Peter's, Peter's army smashed. They're in disarray. He's retreating. Um, and then Charles, who, like I said, was a brilliant military genius. He does a very unwise mm. thing and he attempts to invade Russia in the winter.
1: Wait, hold on. He attempts to invade Russia? russia in the winter Mm -hmm. like this is proverbially a very stupid thing to do like it's up there with wearing stripes with plaid there's an entire saying don't
0: invade russia in the winter so what were you thinking charles well in charles's defense nobody had tried to do it really yet so the rule about don't invade russia in the winter it kind of starts with peter the great Charles invades.
1: Oh, okay. So Charles is the reason we have the rule.
0: He is the first one, yeah. And Charles starts to invade, and Peter is doing the thing that we will see again with Napoleon, and again with Hitler, and again with everybody else who tries to invade Russia, is he... Okay. Ret-
1: so what are our takeaways from this episode? Um, A, don't invade Russia in the winter, mm. and B, if you are going to invade Russia in the winter, wear a warm
0: coat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so that's it. I mean, that's literally what happens, is he retreats back into the winter, he burns the the food stores and the towns as he's going so that as the Swedish army is marching forward, they don't have any resources or supplies to pick up. And they do start dying of the cold. Even their jackets are going to oh, wow. keep them warm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dying. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah. And he just waits for them to die. And eventually he has to face them. And this is where... Uh, Ukraine is going to come back up again, actually, because one thing that ends up happening is he's withdrawing and he's having success and he's whittling down Charles's numbers. But but Charles starts marching through Ukraine. Uh, it's called the Cossack Hetmanate at the time, but it's present-day Ukraine. And They are allied with Peter the Great. There's a guy in charge of the Hetman. The Hetman is called um, Ivan Mazepa. And Mazepa has been a a loyal friend of Peter's and they have fought wars together. Cossacks have been riding in the Russian army. Um, There's a close relationship here. But Peter starts saying, hey, we need you to start burning your cities and your villages so that we don't lose this war. I'm Uh going to double down in Moscow, but they're going to come through your territory, just burn it all. And Mazepa says, no, I don't want to do that. So he actually makes a deal with Charles to join him. Okay. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Charles, the king of Sweden. Yes.
0: So Ivan Mazepa turns on Russia. Oof. He flips to Sweden and joins them. Okay. Uh, that's a problem for Peter. Now Peter's got to do something. So he sends a request to their, or sends a messenger to the rest of the Hetmanate. Like he marches into the Hetmanate. he burns one town there. He defeats some Cossacks there and burns the town. And he sends a message to the headman, hey, I'm coming to fight Charles. You guys have to decide whose side you're on. And I'll remember the decision you make. So there's a big battle at this place called Poltava, which is actually like a five hour drive from Bakhmut. Uh, It's in Ukraine, and there's going to be a fight here. And the Cossacks, by and large, choose Peter. And Peter Mm -hmm. wins the battle. He's got this huge cavalry force of Cossacks. Uh, Charles is actually sick on the day of the battle. He was wounded a few days earlier. He's not. He's not healing well. He gets sick. He can't lead his army in the battlefield, and the Swedes lose. Mazeppa escapes. Peter never forgives him. He creates uh, the Order of Saint Judas and awards it to him. Oh, Saint Judas ouch. the traitor, and. Uh, him. he never forgives Mazepa for it the he orders the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church every year they have a, a day where they kind of list like the enemies of the church and Ivan Mazepa makes it onto that list and he's on that list for 200 years right he's the great traitor he's the benedict arnold of russia he betrayed us and this is actually weirdly kind of a central thing in uh in the current ukraine conflict is ukraine has mm-hmm. Ivan Mazepa on their money they they view him as a hero who oh. Fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians, and the, this is a this is a source of tension between the Ukrainians and the Russians to this day. Right, this battle is from the 1700s, but yeah, they don't forget that. Wow, yeah. Um, so Peter wins the war, defeats Sweden. Uh, King Charles flees to uh, to the Ottoman Empire. Um, he tries to attack again. He gets shot in the head and dies uh, in, in battle. He's killed in battle. Uh, but. The Russians are able to take land on the Baltic Sea. They build St. Petersburg, which is just literally in the like a snow-covered nothing in the middle of nowhere. He builds St. Petersburg on top of it, names it after his favorite saint, which is St. Peter. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's defeated the Swedes. He's asserted the dominance of Russia in Europe. He succeeded where a lot of these other European powers had been defeated. He defeated a major European power. He now has... Water warm water ports on the Baltic and in the Mediterranean. He's modernized that was the, the goal army. Of his? Yeah. yeah, he's building a yeah. navy. Yeah. He's doing pretty good. And this is when he declares himself the czar of all the Russias. He's the first one that is like kind of the czar of the Russian Empire. Now we've declared it. Now we're not just the principate or the kingdom or the, the princedom or whatever. We are uh we are the empire, the Russian Empire, and I am the Emperor. But Peter is, he's doing a lot of moves as Tsar, but His personal life is extremely interesting, and I do want to talk about this because he is a legendary party monster. He famously would have arguments with the church uh, over various things, probably his drinking or whatever. But Peter uh, would occasionally butt heads with the church. And at one point he gets angry and he creates what he calls, uh, it's a parody of the Holy Synod of the Orthodox Church. He calls it the most drunken council of fools and jesters, where they all get together and they sing, they drink vodka and they sing obscene parodies of well-known church hymns. They scatter vodka from holy water sprinklers. If you show up late, you have to drink a penalty shot, which is a shot of vodka for the person who showed up late. Um, you have those you have those those bears that are serving wine and, and liquor and growling at you if you don't take it. Um, on Christmas every year, the most drunken council of fools and jesters would parade through the streets of Moscow or St. Petersburg on sleighs being pulled by bears and goats and they would stop at the homes of prominent noblemen that Peter didn't like and would sing profane Christmas carols as loud as they could.
1: Okay. <laughs> that must have been quite a scene.
0: Yes. They elected a, a prince pope in 1718. This was one of Peter's childhood friends from the foreign quarter. He wasn't, wasn't even a Russian guy. They made him the prince pope oh, okay. of the Orthodox yeah, Church.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. They give him, the like, the Burger King crown. Yeah, say, exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The, they... According to the story, they drank a shot of vodka every 15 minutes for eight days straight. <laughs> that was this inauguration of the Prince Pope.
1: That sounds a little bit either exaggerated or deeply unhealthy.
0: It's not good. No, it, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, as we will see, Peter is going to be dead by 52 of gangrenous bladder because alcoholism is a very gnarly thing to deal with. Uh, yeah. yeah, but this is this is it. He lived fast and he partied hard. Um, And he, you know, if we're talking family drama, he ends up having some family drama later in life as well, possibly because of his drinking. I don't know. Um, But in 1718, his son from his first marriage, uh, I talked about he sent his first wife to a to a convent.
1: Yeah, like you do. Their
0: son was going to be this was the Tsarevich. He was going to succeed Peter as emperor but uh his name was alexei alexei had no real interest in doing that he had uh been in an arranged marriage he didn't like he had a, a finnish woman that was a commoner that he was in love with and he wanted to be with her instead and peter was against this oh. and there was uh, arguments oh, about it yeah oh. alexei doesn't want to be the key prince he just wants to live by himself he flees russia at one point to try to get away Peter calls him back, he comes back, and then Peter... Oh no,
1: I want to just pause it right here and say, I think I know where this is going, but I would just like to imagine an alternate timeline where alexei has a happy ending
0: yeah it would be nice but that's not what happens to that's Alexei. that's not this timeline he comes back and whether it is a trumped up charge or not alexei is accused of conspiring against peter uh he's put on a torture rack and he dies what? yeah he put his own kid on a torture rack uh yeah. and uh uh he dies from the wounds of it and that's the end of him oh. peter's kind of
1: r.i.p alexei
0: yeah, Peter's yeah. kind of a, a ruthless guy, and uh, this is the family drama thing, right? I mean, I'm sure that some of that trauma of having his own family try to kill him on multiple occasions didn't didn't help. Uh, and yeah, at one yeah, point, yeah. Peter's second wife. Uh, allegedly, had an affair with a guy named Willem Mons, who, who was her secretary. Her
1: secretary, yeah. yeah. And so, and how did that go? Mm-hmm. Were we just a happy copacetic group counseling polyamorous thruple?
0: No, no. There's no no triad happening here. Uh, Willem Mons's head is cut off and it is pickled in a jar of vodka and it's put in a museum in Saint Petersburg, like you do. Right. Peter also weirdly like liked stuff like this. He liked curious things. He liked different things. He would collect all of any kind of strange things like, you know, here's a human leg or whatever. He'd collect all of this stuff and put it in mm-hmm. the museum. And um, in St. Petersburg, he made a deal where he, he put out a call so that anybody who was over, I want to say like seven feet or under four feet tall, any adult that was a, oh, under four feet tall or over seven feet tall, they could come live in St. Petersburg for free. stuff like that
1: um okay i don't know i guess being a a person of tallness he appreciated people at various ends of the spectrum of the range i think more than anything he likes novelty yeah i think
0: more than anything he was kind of this like i don't know hedonistic might not be the right word but he like was constantly in search of new and interesting things that he hadn't seen before or whatever so like he always wanted if there was any kind of outlier he was interested in it and uh, wanted to see it for himself. So I don't know. Sometimes it serves him well. Sometimes it serves him well. Uh, the the deal with Alexei is a pretty dark moment in his life, and it happens towards the end. And he's he's drinking very heavily at this point, and um, yeah. you know he's kind of. Done a lot of the things that are going to make him famous in the the USSR. Peter was kind of demonized by the the communists as a um, you know as an autocrat, as a dictator. Uh, and yeah. they they yeah. famously one um, communist writer wrote that Peter is the person who put the country and his own son on the torture rack. <laughs> oh so
1: honestly that's a good line yeah he's a divisive Um, character uh, yes yeah 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 uh Hmm.
0: but like i said he lived large he partied hard he died of a gangrenous bladder in 1725 at the age of 52 um so we had talked earlier about sophia who
1: succeeds him
0: yeah so he succeeded by his second wife as czar so the son is is gone um and he puts it in place that his wife will succeed him, and she is crowned Tsar Catherine the First. She's the first woman to rule Russia, except for the example you gave earlier.
1: Of Irina, who is a little bit disputed anyway on technicalities. Yeah. So Catherine the first. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's Peter's yeah. widow. She rules. Yeah. Um, and she also sets the stage for Catherine the second, who is who we will, we remember as Catherine the Great today. We'll probably talk about uh-huh. her on this show in the future, but she is one of yep. the other like most influentials. Peter and, and Catherine the Great are, mm-hmm. they're the two of the greats and they're two of the most influential leaders in the history of Russia. Uh, and the stage was kind of set up by Catherine I taking over after the death of her, her husband. So, so yeah. okay, that is Peter the Great. Um, he was an interesting character. He, he contributed a lot to the history of Russia. Uh, he was a really interesting personal life full of family drama and revenge and, uh, and b- bears and parties. So I guess what I want to say is whatever holiday you are celebrating this season um i hope it is not quite as intense as those that peter the great celebrated in 1720
1: (laughs) indeed and i'd like to add i'm cold so put on a sweater in those cold russian winters
0: yeah thank you guys so much (laughs) stay badass
1: (laughs) badass of the week is an iheart radio podcast produced by high five content Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.